Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of ATL Alts. This is your host, Andre Sindate. I'm really delighted to bring you a guest from Uruguay today. I'm going to be interviewing the founder and general partner of a seed stage venture capital firm. I'd like to welcome Hernan Jaro of Mr. Pink, a seed stage fund based in Uruguay. And he's going to tell us all about what's happening in the VC and startup community in Kapuk. So with no further ado, Hernan, welcome to ATL Alts. Hi, Andres. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Really excited to have you, Hernan. Um, I've had a chance to really, you know, dive into what you're building and, and what you're doing, which I'm excited to ask you questions about today. But before we do that, I always like to ask my guests to tell us their backstory. So please tell us about Hernan and your backstory. Great. So yeah, you mentioned I'm I'm in Uruguay, but I was born and raised in Argentina. Um, really close. I started in technology when I was maybe 10 years old, like coding in an old IBM XT computer. Uh, eventually, when I was in high school, I won a national championship called the Coding Olympics or IT Olympics. I went on to study industrial engineering uh, and, and was most of the time working in let's say, very early early startups, and not in the sense of early stage, but in the sense of what used to be the startup scene in South America before there were any real funds. There were no venture capital funds in the region, like nothing. Um, in 2008, I, I knew that I wanted to really do a life around entrepreneurship and working with startups or maybe being an entrepreneur someday. Um, and the way I found to, to hack into the, into the system was to move to the US. Uh, I applied to different like business schools. I got accepted at UC Berkeley. So by mid 2018, uh, 2008, my wife, girlfriend at the time, uh, and I, we moved to California. I got my my master's there uh, with the focus, obviously, on entrepreneurship. They they call it concentration. And we I, I chose the concentration, took all the electives available about innovation and technology and entrepreneurship. I launched my first startup there in 2009. Um, after graduation, we briefly moved back to South America, more for personal reasons than anything else. And soon after that, I joined a, a California-based startup called Pulpo Media, a co-founder and chief operating officer. That one we did pretty well. We scaled very rapidly between 2011 and 2014, which led to the company being acquired by a New York Stock Exchange, exchange-traded uh, company called Entravision. So they acquired us in mid-2014. I kept operating for a few more years. Um, I stepped down, I joined another US uh, startup, not as founder, but as part of the leadership team. We scaled to more than 100 million in revenues. And then I stepped down <laughs> again. You can see a pattern here of, of, of moving away of things rather quickly. 
and eventually decided I, want, I wanted to launch my fund. I don't know if that's enough detail for the backstory. I hope it is, and I could keep going. Well, the, the founder journey is part of this podcast, and I appreciate you sharing, uh, I would imagine, just part of it. So born and raised in LATAM, educated with your MBA at Berkeley, worked at, this, at some startups, and then eventually decided to start your own fund. Um, I have to ask you, because you have what I think is probably one of the more unique stories and one of the more unique um, geographic focuses, but even more so than that, which we want to get into is um, the name for your firm, Mr. Pink. What's behind that? Okay, so I'm going to have to rewind a bit, like before I can properly answer that. So you mentioned Kapuk at the beginning. So my focus is not LATAM. I mean, fine with being recognized as a LATAM like VC, but I really do Kapuk, which stands for Colombia, Argentina, Peru, Uruguay, and Chile. So out of these five countries that make Kapuk, I lived in four of them. I exclude from the background story for brevity's sake. But I, I really am very familiar with the region and with the struggle that founders in this region um, uh, face when they're raising capital. The industry is really, really, really new. There, now there are many, many other funds, but it's still in the in its infancy compared to the, I don't know, the California ecosystem, obviously, but even to Texas or Austin or New York or. Uh, compared to pretty much anywhere in the developed world, the ecosystem is super new, which means that a lot of people, founders are forced to raise from family offices and angels, which in turn means that unless you are connected with wealthy, influential people raising money, it's much harder in Latin than, than, than other regions. So getting to the name, this is my... I haven't lost my train of thought. This is just a long answer to why the name. So the name is taken out of a Quentin Tarantino movie called Reservoir Dogs that you may have watched. Did, did you watch the movie, Andres? Sure. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So in the movie, if you, yeah, you probably remember there are these mafia guys and they all have like code names and, and they were like Mr. Brown, Mr. Black and so forth. No one wanted to be Mr. Pink. Because Mr. Pink sounds weak, right? Yeah. So the thesis for my fund, it's not only Kapuk, it's 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 very particularly de defined in many ways. So I wanted the name that communicated that this is not your average Latin American fund. So the name doesn't sound like a VC, and that's by design. But that's by design. Taken from the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's by design. So people say, well, Mr. What? What do you do? Someone once told me that they thought we were a deodorant brand. No, we are not a deodorant brand. But uh, I'm, I'm fine with being, um, if people get 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 lost of all what we do at the beginning, because that surprise factor is what makes it much more memorable. Sure. So I always say some people like the name. I would say most people like it. 
some people really hate it, but they all remember it, which is, <laughs> I'm a pragmatic at heart. That's what they, you want people to be able to find you on, on Google, right? So they need to remember something to, to start typing there and they remember Mr. Pink. There's no doubt they, they do. And, and, uh, and I love the name. I, you know, as I was doing diligence on, on you and your firm and your fund and the strategy, um, there were some things that, that, you know, that I think you wanted to highlight, you talked about, you know, geographically, you talked about, um, the, the lack of venture capital in Kapuk. Um, I want to read something that, that stuck out to me and I would love to get your response. So you talked about improving the founders UX, the user experience in South America yeah. with a clear geographic focus on Kapuk, but avoiding the obvious places, Mexico and Brazil which account for three quarters, three out of every $4 of LATAM VC come out of just those two countries, and that you're not afraid to invest in unproved but brilliant founders. Um, not everyone is a YC grad. For those yeah. that aren't familiar with YC, that would be a reference to Y Combinator, I would imagine, correct? Uh, correct, absolutely. Yeah, so, so you're looking in different places, but these are this is a part of the world that you know intimately having lived there there's less capital that's historically been allocated to the region as you outline in your thesis but you're also not afraid to invest in un, unproven but brilliant founders how did all of that come together besides having been born and raised in argentina and living in uruguay how did all of these pieces come together in in your sort of thirty thousand foot view? Yeah. So for me, like right now, after getting part of my education in, in the U.S. at UC Berkeley and having had exits as a founder, raising money would be would be easy, right? As a founder, but I'm middle class Argentinian. I realized soon after arriving to the, the MBA program that I, how lucky I was. Argentina is one of the few countries in Latin America that, that has a decently large middle class. But for the most part, just to get funding, you need to already be part of, of, of a small segment of, of, of people that, that are influential. And I know I know for a fact because many of my friends and people that I, I have helped as an informal startup advisor or angel investor, that they are they are not connected and they are as smart uh, as the next guy, right? And I always say that IQ is homogenically distributed, right? Uh, through, through the world. It's not that there are smarter people in the valley. It's just that smart people from a lot of different places migrated there because the capital and the knowledge of how to run a startup was highly concentrated there. And, and that's that's why the reference to YC, the Y Combinator, Paul Graham, the founder of Y Combinator, is one of the most knowledgeable like people probably on earth about how to build a startup. But now you can listen to his like talks, read his articles, you can sit anywhere in the world uh, and learn from the brightest man, minds from MIT, from Harvard, Berkeley, you name it, Stanford. So th there's no need to be physically there, right? 
so the knowledge is spreading around the globe and trying to, to make easier for the capital to do the same. And, and this having an exit or having education at a prestigious school, that's a strong signal. And, and there is a reason for that. Part of that is just like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like everyone believes that you're going to do well because your co-founders are all, you know, Stanford grads, right? So it's easier for you to, to raise money, easier for you to have doors open at you when you reach out to clients or, or when you are doing hiring, because they all believe that you will do really well because you are a smart Stanford grads. And sometimes that end up realizing, and that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I think the way I really earn my fees as a venture capitalist is by finding the non-obvious founders. I want to be the guy that could have invested in, in Hernan in myself before the exit, before Berkeley, before every, everything else, because I'm the same guy, right? I'm <laughs> as as energetic, as smart, as um, ambitious as I was before, right? And everyone wants to invest on, or fish on the same like small pond of, of, of the founders that have had exits and, and study in certain places. And true, the chances of success may be higher, but investing in private um, capital in a startup, it's like anything else. It's supply and demand, which means that more people are willing to give you money, which means your valuation is higher. So in the end, it all, all balances out. And I truly believe that venture capital is a vehicle for developing our nations in Kapuk. And I wanna make it more accessible uh, to other entrepreneurs. And I think that untaps a fantastic business opportunity for like my investors in the fund called the Limited Partners. They know this, they get this, and, and they are happy that I'm giving opportunities to, to non-obvious founders. But it's not that we are, this is not philanthropy. These guys are amazing, right? Super smart. And we are able to get into their cap table, to get into the, by shares in a way, in a simplified way, in their companies at the much better price point. So it balances out the traditional, or increase likeness of success the, the, because of the self-fulfilling prophecy I was mentioning before, compensates with the lower valuation that we, we some, sometimes get and the access to better deal flow. So it's working for us. I want to dive in to some of the deal flow, some of the opportunities that you're most excited about. But before we do that, I want to maybe level set on some facts about VC capital flows into LATAM or specifically into Kapuk. We talked about before three quarters of all dollars in LATAM are going to Brazil and Mexico. Um, but talk about how big this market is. How big is Kapuk when you compare it from a GDP standpoint? And are investors just missing? an entire part of the region when they think yeah. about LATAM VC. Right. So for just, just to put everything in perspective, just LATAM in, in a GDP perspective, it's half of China, 
and it's two times as uh, bigger than, than India. So LATAM is, is a huge region. And Mexico and Brazil also represent a large percent of GDP and, and, and population. And that's why their, their market from a venture capital perspective are more, more developed. Right. And these founders in Kapuk are not looking to create Kapuk specific businesses. I always say I'm investing in talent from Kapuk that has the ambition to go to the rest of Latin or the world. Like there are like companies out of Argentina that had an IPO in the in the last years and are totally global. And and unless you really know their backstory. Right, you wouldn't know that the founders are from Argentina, like OutZero, for instance, an information security company acquired for like six billions. Uh, I think it was like two years ago, right? So the talent here is amazing. It's untapped, uh, with the exception of, of certain uh, subset of highly connected entrepreneurs. And that way you bring to the market. And so from a proposition standpoint, when you think about um, white space, we talked about this in some of the discussions before we we started recording. The white space that you see for Mr. Pink is in is in this early stage venture space, um, specifically when this within this geographic region of Kapuk. How do you become one of the or the preferred seed? fund for the region. I mean, I know you have the ambition to do that. You want to see 100% of the deal flow, right? Maybe that's not feasible or possible, but how do you position your firm to be, you know, the, the, the one that gets the phone call, the one that gets, uh, the outreach when there's an opportunity. Absolutely. So, 100 percent that that's my target <laughs> by <laughs> a, a end of 2023 i want to have access to 100 percent right every single deal available in kapuk in the the um, verticals or the, or the themes that i invest i want them to reach and uh, reach out to me and that's what i mean when i talk about the founder ux and it may sound like too ambitious, 100%. It's obviously ambitious, but I think it's uh, the totally doable. And, and we do this with very we, with a combination of very simple tactics because this is a small fund, right? I'm targeting $10 million, uh, still raising. So it's not like I have tons of budget, but we are doing guerrilla marketing in some ways. For instance, VCs worldwide are... And, and famously known for not answering cold contacts. There's this, the, I'm sure your, your audience is, is aware of the concept of like uh, warm interest, which is, hey, you wanna get into a VC firm, I know someone that knows someone, they can put in a good work for you and they will read your email or pick up your, your call if people still like call random, <laughs> random people these days. Um, we are in no warm intro VC. Like, I, I don't care if you are an investor in my fund, if you are the best friend of my my wife. I don't care. 
If you want to be considered for investment in Mr. Ping, you go to our website, www.mrping.vc, and you send us a, a message there or an audio, right? We actually got like audio pitches, like a minute and a half, and long um, pitches o o over the site. And we do that because we are very accessible and we want to bring down the barriers. We don't want people to, hopefully the entrepreneurs are not getting stressed about having to record. The, the idea of what we're trying to communicate is just click that button and start talking. Tell us your backstory. We want to hear why you're doing what you're doing. And with a minute and a half, that's more than enough for us to know if this is something that Mr. Pink may be interested in investing or not. And I mentioned these like VCs, like for the most part, not getting back to all, all contacts. And we have a promise that we have kept since the first day we started operating at the beginning of, of 2021, which is we will get back to every single one of the contact we receive through the site, right? And we track that. My background as an operator, founder was also as chief operating officer and, and growth. So we have our CRM system connected to the site. And we literally have metrics to make sure that everyone gets a response in the first 48 hours, right? It's not going to be a response of, yeah, yeah, where do, should we wire the money, obviously. But it may be a response that says, Hey, Andres, we don't invest in Brazil. Thank you so much. Or you may say, we don't do biotech deals because we are not set to invest in that kind of technologies. Thanks for reaching. Or we may say, this looks cool. Why don't you send me additional information, send me your deck, or let's set up a meeting. And everyone do gets the, a response like that. And very briefly, there are like two other things we do to be remain accessible and reach our target of 100% access to deals in the region. One is we organize community uh, open uh, gatherings. This is coming from the US. It, it, it's, it's like a meet and greet thing. We call them meet and pink. Basically, when I travel somewhere, I publish on, on, on our LinkedIn page or, or the site that I'm inviting entrepreneurs to meet, and those do not need to be from our portfolio, just random entrepreneurs that want to network with other entrepreneurs and, and, and with myself or my team. So they sign up. I pay for the pizza and the beers or something non-fancy, just something to drink and, and, and share with them. And we talk for hours, sometimes four, five, six hours. <laughs> so we... We are very open in, in that regard. And we also provide uh, open, let's, we call them pink hours. It's, it's like mentoring hours to the community again. So they get to talk with the, with the venture partners from Mr. Pink. We are trying to develop, the, on the one hand, develop the, the knowledge to help to increase the knowledge of founders in this region. Uh, because as I said earlier, I believe this is a fantastic vehicle for bringing economic growth to Kapuk. Uh, on the other hand, this is a way for us to early detection of talent. We not only track and, and qualify the, the startups that we get access to, but also individual founders, because maybe, I know, we 
we met a founder that we thought it was amazing, but he was working on a startup that we thought was terribly bad. <laughs> but we still keep our notes that, hey, this guy or this girl, this guy, you know, Andrea, she's amazing. So we want to keep inviting her to activities, to join the newsletter. Uh, we may want to proactively keep an eye on what she's doing. So because maybe her next startup is amazing and we want to be the first ones to get in the uh, as investors there. I want to, I want to do a, I want to do a rapid fire with you on your unique style and, and beliefs. So I'm going to say a word from your, from your story, from your deck, and I want you to respond to it. So um, empathetic. What does that mean at Mr. Pink? Yeah, empathetic. Really putting things in, in, in perspective, understanding where they, they are coming from. I think empathy is, is a huge competitive advantage. I'm also a big believer in AI. I think there will be sentient um, technologies, software in, in the next decade or so, but uh, the deep empathy that a human being can bring to the table, it's silly, fantastic competitive advantage. It's not easily replicated. replicated. Um, trust, particularly in the context of LATAM, you, you say that it's broken and that you want to fix it. What does that mean? Yeah, I, I have other investors, for instance, you will laugh most likely, but they, they ask, hey, Hernan, how do you make sure the founders do not steal the money? Hmm. Like, and uh, it, it's shocking. Like, I, I, I don't, in a way, like I really say, it could be like very expensive to put all the financial controls in place. You just need to take this leap of faith. Uh, and investors should be much more concerned about the, I don't know, 60% mortality Right, that startup have during the first like two years of life, then the theoretical but really low frequency situation in which a founder used the company money to buy a car. I haven't heard of that going on uh, ever really in the US or here. There's renowned cases of companies raising like tens or hundreds of million dollars, but early stage like raising two hundred thousand dollars or a half a million and and using it for your own benefit uh, that just doesn't happen there's a there's a pretty well known case that will be playing out over the next few years here in the US with a company called FTX that raised a couple billion dollars and i think there's still a lot of questions about where that money was deployed and a lot of it yeah. was venture capital money from top tier VCs. And I think there's a lot of people that have questions about how that capital was allocated. It's unfair to to suggest that there was anything criminal done yet, but I think it it does raise a lot of questions about trust, um, even at the highest levels of this industry. Another one that you talk about is diversity. And diversity has become a, a very, very big topic uh, and a very big theme around investing and around venture and startups. What does diversity mean for Mr. Pink? Yeah, more unique ideas, right? Imagine like most of the founders are male. Half of the population is female. I'm stating the, the obvious here. Like 
Couldn't it make sense that maybe more female founders can come up with female-specific solutions for female-specific situations, needs, or whatever? So, so diversity is, is an advantage. And to my own benefit, it's good that they are underfunded by like by several times, like female, uh, the LGBTQ community, people and, and other type of, of, of diversities, diversity of background or social class or, or, or studies. I have um, Harvard MBAs or Tepton Business Schools MBAs working in my fund. And I also have people that haven't finished like college. Like it doesn't matter really to me. Like they are all special for different reasons. Getting to like a, a very famous school doesn't necessarily make you smarter. You have to have a certain level of smartness, otherwise you wouldn't make the cut. But the the opposite is not true. Not get, not having college education or a top ten MBA education doesn't make you less than the next guy, right? So yeah, the I, in that that sense is it's just a beautiful thing because I I get to tap this untapped pool of amazing guys. I want I want to drill into one one more question uh before we jump into the sectors you're targeting and why um and and some of the things that you're investing in you talked about earlier access and in particular i want to talk to you about the individual who has the ambition to start a business but didn't go to a top school and that's not somebody that's here in the us that has access to you know lots and lots of universities and colleges, but somebody who grows up with far less, you know, economic means and resources in LATAM and, and in Kapuk. What does the signaling of education, your family, your social status, what does it do or not do for an individual, you know, that's coming up in their teens and 20s and, and sees around them all this wealth being created, all this business opportunity they see because of the access we now have; it's ubiquitous everywhere. To um, to to how people can climb, but I want to I want to get your perspective. Um, and how how does that individual break through? And how does that individual find their way to building a company? Because I gotta imagine it's extremely hard. And if and if they're female. It's got to be even harder in 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 your region. So I I just love to get your take on on that. <clears throat> yeah. So for a lot of these people, like raising VC money is not even an option, and that's why I wanna be very accessible, so they know it's okay. You you, you truly don't need to be a friend of a friend to reach out to us. You just like just press the button and start talking. I was in Peru for the last like two weeks and I met with Larissa. She's the co-founder of Manzana Verde, a food tech company that delivers healthy, affordable meals in, in Colombia, Peru, and Mexico. And I, I recorded a podcast episode in Spanish, but I'll, I'll get you a translation somehow. Um, and she shared her story. She's from a middle middle class family from a second tier city in the north of Peru. 
and she was always interested in, in business, but she doesn't have any, any like close example of a business person. Right? It's not that she knows, she knew that she had like an uncle or someone that was highly successful. She, she knew nothing about that. She was lucky that got connected with a, a university uh, that has an acceleration program and started learning a bit about all this. And it's totally like life-changing. Um, it's easier for someone in San Francisco, probably it must be like 20 times easier for someone to first to think that becoming an entrepreneur is possible and then to raise some money than to the smartest, most ambitious, but not highly networked guy in, in Argentina or Chile just to, to decide to do the same. And, and it's this like mindset. That it's something that it's very having lived and worked with with American for many years. Something that I truly admire, and I think that's the the real secret that the Valley created this mindset that you can launch your company out of your garage. You can do ambitious things. You you may want to put a satellite on low orbit, and you may not have the money. You may really don't know how to build a satellite, but it's okay to dream and to think that you can and just uh, be eventually become good, like fake it till you make it. <laughs> we are not good at that in, in Latin America. We are so, people are so concerned still on fulfilling the basic needs, right? That taking a year off just to take chances on building a business sounds like very, very risky. And for most people, it's not even an option. That, that's why I'm doing, in part, the work with my motivation to doing Mr. Pink is it, around that. I heard a lot of founders that what they receive from, from potential investors is things like, okay, why don't you go write the first 50,000 USDs from family and friends and just come back in six months and show me what you got. And maybe we can do a round at that moment, but for the average, not even the average, for 99% of the Latin American population raising $50,000 from friends, it's not an option. Right. Most people have never seen $50,000 altogether. Right? Um, yeah. So it's totally possible. It's harder if you're a female. It's harder if you are not highly connected. It's highly if you didn't attend the right schools. Right? But those guys are as, as good as anyone else, and they will well, they, work yeah. harder. I was going to say that else. they probably yeah. are hungry. They're probably hungrier because they 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 may not get that second and third chance, right? Um, that's a beautiful thing about our our venture ecosystem, our venture industry. Um, I think a lot of industries are this way, but there's multiple chances, and there's much more of I think a safety net, right, to fall back upon. For people and and taking that risk and taking that jump uh, to go do something that's going to take time is not it's just not an option in emerging markets for many many people. So you you probably right. fulfill a critical a critical need, you know, for just that initial capital um, and maybe even more importantly than capital is just inspiration that 
there is somebody on the other end if i submit the video or submit the pitch that will actually respond you would be surprised about the number of people that get back to us thanking us just for 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 receiving a response they say hey this is amazing thank for your feedback and, and you look at the email and maybe what we only thing we said is i think you are i don't know like too early for us because you are still building your product and they are appreciated of of just getting a response right and um and yeah, these these people may work harder because they know that they, they don't have like a line of VCs waiting to give them money, maybe, right? Yeah, at least not in the beginning. And then that's the that that that, that it, it may sound a little unpolitical, but the, the idea of the serial entrepreneur is a risky one, right? You want someone that, if need be, is is able to fail and stand up again and try it again that's fine but but we do this with the hope to be successful you should be proud of of ruin like repeatedly ruining companies and losing investors money sometimes that happens and that's part of the game right but i like people that go into this with like full heart and minds and believing, truly believing. And and not sure this may be a tangent, but have you heard of the Stockdale paradox? No. No. So I think this is from the book, from good to great, I think. Um, basically, really very shortly, because I love this. And this guy went to interview... Uh, former prisoners of war during the Second World, and he wanted to understand what made some of them to survive, what made them the energy to to overcome adversity, hunger, torture for years and years, and what and why others couldn't do that, and they just died, right? And and what he finds out is that when talking with this former colonel. He said, hey, the, the, the ones that died first were the optimists, right? Because the optimists were the ones saying, don't worry, Andres, by like end of year, I will be like drinking champagne with my wife in New York and we will celebrate and this will be just like a, a, a bad dream or the Russians were going to come and, and rescue us at any time. Uh, and then you are... New Eve came and they got disappointed and they were frustrated and depressed and they stopped fighting. The, the paradox, the Stockdale paradox is that you need to have faith that you will eventually prevail while you keep an eye on the on reality and the ugly reality as bad as it is. And this is also the attitude that I look for founders in this context of re global recession and increase complexity for raising capital. Uh, of course, the founders who invest in, they know that they can fail all the, because it's a statistical fact, but you need to really truly believe that you are gonna make it, even though it's hard, even you are doing this against all odds, even though you know that some are companies, maybe they're better funded than you, but you need to believe that you can do that while you have your wildest ambitions in your mind, but your feet on the ground and you walk through reality with energy and, and bravery, 
right? Those are the founders that and that I was referring when I said like it's not that that failing is bad. Failing is a fantastic business opportunity, but not failing lightly, like saying, hey, I just took money, I didn't work, I'm gonna just raise more money again because it, for me it's so easy to raise money and get access to that. I want them to take it as seriously as I take it whenever I write them a check with the money from my uh, limited partners that support my fund and make the, all this possible. I'm so grateful to them, all of them, for supporting Mr. Pink. Let's talk a little bit about what is exciting in the portfolio and the sectors. Um, I know that you are not restricted in in what you can do, but you have a preference for food tech, ed tech, and future of work. Why those particular sectors? What is it about them? Yeah. So it's I, I like rephrasing this more like future of, of, of food, future of education and work. I think that the there are like things aligning and and there will be dramatic change in uh, all all these themes for the next like 10 15 years right and i've been following some of these trends for many years and i feel like i i have a decent understanding of where i think things will evolve so i'm very thesis driven in the way i run the fund mm. I'm sure you are familiar with Singularity University. Um, I, I'm a member of the Argentinian chapter, and we work a lot with with uh, with futures, right? We think wh where are we heading, and this all gets accelerated by technology that I'm also very well familiar with, and I hope my companies to leverage in some ways, in particular uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning, and and blockchain or anything that help with decentralization. The same way that I believe in the decentralization of the venture capital industry, I big time believe in decentralization of, of, of work and education, right? Uh, we are living in a, in a moment in time in which we're already seeing funds like Mr. Pink itself launch in the lockdown with a remote first like team of people working different time zones. We have people in, in the West Coast in, in San Francisco, people in London, uh, a guy that is originally from Spain, but he's a digital nomad. He lives in between the US and Colombia and Brazil. And, and if you think mathematically about the, the number of the innovation, number of potential human connections that may happen when we are talking about a, a world with maybe 5 billion people connected to the internet and, and the, the creativity that will pop out of true global organizations, right? Which a much more flatter hierarchical structure that is enabled by technology. When when we live in a world in which most of the jobs from the future have not been even invented. Like data scientists are very hot right now, but there, there was the name, like didn't mean anything 10 years ago. There were not data scientists, right? Uh, even now, like there are some universities that may have a data science 
degree, but most of them are people that study like computer science or statistics or enthusiasts about that. And, and the something that I don't think we ever talk about like kids, like I, I, I have kids, a five and a 10 year old boy, um, a five year old girl and a 10 year old boy. Something that most people around the globe, because I talk with a lot of people from different countries, uh, because of my work at Mr. Pink, many of us recognized and realized to our surprise that the schools, universities, where, where our kids were being educated were not nearly as good as we thought they were during the lockdown, when we got to look under the, under the hood, right? And the educational system is going to be totally redesigned. And it's not going to be like a universe, 21 uh, century university. It's going to be something different. It will want to be, want to include elements from gaming. It's going to include self-paced learning or, or much more cohorts educations. It's not going to be necessarily linked to previous degrees that you have. It, and food, like our relationship with the planet, with the ecology and, and the ways we, the old way of thinking of food as something different that we, like you could do independently of your, of your health in a way, like the food industry and the health industry will be colliding. Um, that's accelerate with the, with DNA testing, with the use of machine learning, and the ability to create custom-made um, drugs and, um, and, and, and foods to whatever every single human needs. So I hope that was not too long, but I, I could talk about this for, for hours, but uh, food, education, and work are, uh, are being highly disrupted and will continue to be disrupted. And that generates tons of opportunities. Now you've been you've been busy. You've been traveling. You have been deploying money out of uh, this first fund. Tell me about uh, your ambition for, you know, wrapping up your first fund and and where you want to go with building out your your fund and your organization. I know you have venture partners and you have operating uh, partners that assist you, but paint a picture because you're you're in this now. And you know this is this is what you want to make your work, um, and disrupting the the seed funding uh, reality for a lot of founders in Kapook. So tell me, as you think about where you're at so far in this first fund and kind of where you want to go, what what does the work ahead look like? Yeah. So to have a large, much bigger impact, you need to have a larger fund. Right, so I'm I'm like the maverick. That way I see this like uh, launching a new fund is complicated, takes a lot of like effort and time. And the way I think about my team is like this is the people I'm gonna need for my second fund when I wanna do something much bigger. I'm a solo CP right now. I'm the only channel partner in this fund. I think the second fund it's probably gonna be at least like. $40 million large. That means most likely when I have like two or three 
where I want us to be two or three general partners at that moment, and then most likely 100 million plus third fund, right? Um, the team, it's probably oversized for what I need right now, but when the time comes from the second fund, I want to make sure that I've been working with these people for many years, right? For fundraising, I want to say, hey, I'm going to hire a team when I get your money. I want to say, these are the people that have been supporting me on my first fund, and I work with them for like two or three years, and they're amazing. And we, we all share the same culture and vision. And if, when I get the additional capital, they will be able to, to be full-time with me. And given the environment that we are in economically, the, the macro environment, it, it's far different than it was, I would imagine, when you started the, the firm and decided to launch your first fund. Um, you know, I'm I'm not following things day in, day out in Kapook. Um, what does the environment look like out there in terms of valuations, deal flow, um, you know, fundraising? Paint a picture for us, if you would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not unlike what's going on in the U.S. Because I, I do remain pretty much in touch with our investors in the U.S. It's not different. Like... As we know, like public company valuations have adjusted like significantly, right? Like like maybe 40 to 80% in some cases since the beginning of the year. Late stage valuations have, have followed suit. I think early stage hasn't adjusted fully, but it will probably during the first quarter of 2023 when the bigger like funds need to do their mark to market and their, they need to hire like external CPAs to, to do the valuation of their portfolio. They're going to be forced to adjust down and that will put additional pressure. That's not bad. Um, like everything, is, it's it's adjusting. This, the, the wages are also adjusting in, in, some, in some cases. So with less money, you can still hire a team. It was like the poaching from... U.S. startups hiring talent in Latin America was putting a lot of pressure during the last years. I think that's stopping. Some people will focus more on local talent instead of hiring remote in, in the coming years, which is good for local startups. Valuations did move down a bit. Deal flow froze for some... Not froze, but was reduced. Doing, I would say the third quarter and, and, and second and, and third quarter, it's, it's getting better now because some founders, they, they, they freaked out. <laughs> they were used to raising capital in much more favorable terms. Um, and now we, it's harder. Better asking the harder questions. We always ask, I, I, I like to believe that I invest based on first principles because I don't use these like strong signals of schools and such. So we always look at unit economics. If you look, read Twitter or LinkedIn, it seems like some VCs are rediscovering the importance of unit economics, which is the basic for building any business pretty much, right? We were always very keen on looking at, uh, at, at the numbers behind the 
the strategies and the viability of companies. So for us, it was not such a dramatic change, but a lot of founders are are learning about that the, the hard way. But Andres, in all reality, the biggest companies and the better performing funds were launched during, during uh, very turbulent times, like 2001, 2009, 2010. And I think some of the most like life-changing and improving companies are going to be launched in the next couple of years. And some of the best performing funds are the ones launching the, these, these times. So I'm very excited, very positive about the outlook of Mr. Pink and the industry in general. Um, if you're a founder listening to this, don't get disappointed. Remember the Stockdale paradox. Just don't uh, underestimate how hard it's going to be to raise money or to execute. But this is a fantastic time for running a company. Last question I want to ask you, Ornan, is as you look back on your journey and you look back on all the things that have gone into forming uh, and now beginning the process of scaling Mr. Pink, what are a couple of the big takeaways um, that you could impart to people listening that want to go start a business or are interested in organizing their first partnership or their first fund? Sure. So be sure why you are doing what you're doing, because it's going to be very hard, right? Um, if you're truly passionate and you can assemble a team of people that are as passionate about you, about your what, what you're building, and that can, can complement your, your skills, like it's it, it gonna be, it's gonna be fine. And even if it's not, you you are not gonna have any regrets. Hopefully, right? Life is too short. Um, this year I'm 43. Uh, a friend around my age passed away a few months ago, and and we need to really do everything we can to find happiness and fulfillment in our lives. For me now, after being a founder and for many years, it's about helping other founders to launch their companies. So make sure that whatever you do matters. Maybe that, that's what I wanna, wanna say very briefly. Make sure that it matters, that it matters to you and just go all full in. If you fail, do it again, but don't, not with this lighthearted, silly entrepreneur mindset. Just you just keep going for what really makes you tick. Wow, well said, well said. Um, Hernan Haro, the founder and GP of Mr. Pink, which is a seed fund designed to support the emerging founder in Capuc, which is Colombia, Argentina, Peru, Uruguay, and Chile. Really. You know, just really want to thank you for joining me today on ATL Alts. I will put contact information to you and, and your firm uh, in the show notes. I hope you'll join us again on ATL Alts to give us an update. I uh, wish you continued success in uh, your first fund and in building out and executing on that really big vision.
Thank you for joining us, joining us today on ATL Alt. Fantastic conversation. Thank you so much.